0: I took my troubles to the Lord, I cried out to Him, and He answered my prayer. I looked to the mountains, does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. if I turn it on, right? Have have you ever found yourself saying uh, they don't make music like they used to? I mean, think about that. Now, I love a variety of styles of music. You can get in my car, and and there's there's no telling what's going to be playing at, at any given time. But my favorite, and, and y'all please don't hate on me or judge on me, listen, my favorite is rock music. I like a good, uh, you know, I like a good distortion on the guitar. I, you know, I love when Ron just takes off on a Sunday and, you know, uh, he'll do it in practice sometime and then not bring it into here because he's afraid, you know, uh, that he's being offensive to anybody. And I'm like, man, turn it up. Let's, let's rock a little bit here. I mean, I love it. I, if you were to pull out my cassette tape from my Walkman at the age of 15, there's a good chance you would have found a copy of Greg X. uh album, The River is Rising, and again, don't judge me this morning, or a bootleg copy of Stryper's to, uh, In God We Trust album uh, would have been uh, in there at the age of 15 back in 1988. The problem for me today is it's hard to find new rock music in the genre you know in the in the style that i like i mean i love the hair bands with the multi-layered harmonies the guitar i mean i love that style but they don't make it like they did in the 80s and 90s they just don't make it when i was in high school and college There were many Christian labels that were putting out new rock music. I mean, every Friday and Saturday night, we were going to Powerhouse or Footloose up near uh, the DFW airport when I was in college, watching concerts, seeing people like Novella, the Newsboys, back before they had Michael Taylor. I mean, mean, way back then, we were seeing Guardian, Bride, all these uh, White Heart, White Cross, Striper, DeGarmon Key, Shout, Magdalene, you name it. We were watching it. It was That was the style. Now, outside of Striper, who's still actually releasing new music, by the way, in their 60s, and then there's a band called Skillet. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, There's not many Christian bands in my favorite genre that are still releasing new music that I enjoy. Well, why is that? Well, streaming has kind of made it hard for the labels and the artists. There's not as many record companies as there were in the 80s and 90s, because basically, you know, the streaming, uh, each time you stream uh, a song, the artist uh, and the record label and the company, they only get about .003 to .005 cents of uh, for that stream. Now think about back in the '80s, we would pay $7.95 for a cassette tape. Come on, somebody! And then when the CDs first came out, they were around 15 bucks, and then they got down to about 12 bucks, and then now they're up uh, more than that. But I mean, you know, they just don't have a decent return anymore for the for the label and for the record company and the producer all to make a living. So there's not as many contracts and record companies anymore. And so you have big artists and then uh, you have people that are trying to do it independent on a, a MacBook in a, in a garage somewhere, uh, but there's not a lot of in between anymore. Another reason, let's be honest, styles change, right? So there's not as much of a need for the classic songs that we all grew up with, whether whether uh you were into country and Western or pop, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you were into reggae or, or something like that, or jazz. There's just not as much of a need for the classic sounds that we grew up with. Another reason is uh, really psychological. Think about this. A New York Times analysis of Spotify data has found that the songs we listen to during our teen years set our musical taste as an adult. For men, the most important period for forming musical taste is between the age of 13 to the age of 16. That explains a whole lot about what, what I'm playing on my, on my uh, uh, iPhone in my truck. Men were on average aged 14 when their favorite song was released. For women, the most important period is between the age of 11, age of 14, with 13 being the most likely age for when their favorite song came out. It also found that childhood influences were stronger for women than men, and the key years for shaping taste were tied to the end of puberty. So basically, by the time that you were in college, your musical taste had kind of just cemented into who you were gonna be. So while we age... A lot of time, our musical styles tend to stay the same. That's probably why I've got a, a great big record collection uh, in, in my office. There's no evolvement. There's no growth. And we're stuck listening to whatever we grew up listening to. Our mixtape has stayed the same. Today, we're going to con- continue talking about mixtape. And and we've been looking at the songs of the ascent the the from Psalm chapter 120 to one. Thirty-four. There's uh, 15 psalms, if you will, or songs that are dubbed the Songs of the Ascent, and they were used kind of as a hymnal or a mixtape or a playlist of, of for going up to uh, Jerusalem uh, for the three annual festivals. You had Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the early summer, and the Feast of Tabernacles. In the autumn, and the families would sing these songs together. They would they would go together and it was their road trip playlist. They weren't singing Willie Nelson on the road again. They were singing these these songs. And, And they were trying to focus their mind on Jesus and on what he had done for the nations. So today's song it deals with growth. Now, while our musical styles really don't grow a whole lot, uh, according to uh, what we've studied earlier today or said earlier today, we see growth in our relationship with God in this psalm. This psalm was written by David. It's a great example of how we're to live humbly. We're to strive to grow, to not be stagnant in our relationships. So if you look with me, Psalm 131, if you want to pull out your bulletin today, or if you're following online, you can go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great." or too awesome for me to grasp instead i have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk yes like a weaned child is my soul within me o oh, israel put your hope in the lord now and always the the word picture that you see in the psalm is a child that's being weaned What does that show? It shows that they're growing up. Unlike many of us with our own personal musical taste, this child is moving from one phase in their life to a new journey. The Christian life is not meant to be stagnant. God desires that we grow. And so this Psalm really points out what I I would say are four aspects of growth. Write the first one down this morning. it's, It's humility. He says, Lord... My heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. Now, David's the psalmist here. He's the one that's writing this psalm, and he had enough self-awareness, if you will, that at this stage of his life that he's writing this, that he's actually walking in humility. There was no pride here. It was a simple acknowledgement of his present condition. He had seen pride destroy his family. He had seen Absalom's pride that led to rebellion. He'd seen his own selfish desire that led to adultery with Bathsheba and a cover-up that included the murder of her husband. Pride then should not exist in a believer's life. And so David recognized that. He said, Lord, my eyes, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. However, if you if you want to think about it for a moment, pride is a sin that is as old as time. Isaiah describes the pride of the enemy in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. He says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods Far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be lo- like the most high. Jesus seems to recognize this moment in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, when he said, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Satan then is the author of pride. He's the author of pride. He's the father of pride. He's the father of lies. It's pride that then leads to a multitude of sins. So when we come to Jesus, then what do we do? We submit our will and our way to him. It's an act of humility. It's us coming and saying, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need God to be the Lord of my life. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my direction. I need him to lead me and guide me. It's an act of humility. We believe that he is the son of God. That he died, That he rose again, so we accept the free gift of salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. However, some want to reshape, if you will, their religious experience. They say things like this. How could a loving God send somebody to hell? I don't believe that the Bible is accurate. It was written by men, and how could the word of God be completely infallible and accurate? So, I don't believe that everything that's in there They start taking scripture out of context. They start beginning to put things in their own mind, in their own ways and image. God of love would not do that. I don't understand. So they begin to question. They begin to reevaluate. They begin to do things and say things that are not in the word of God. Oh, the popular thing right now is call de- it's called deconstruction. Let's deconstruct our faith and let's come, come and find out what's really happening. So what does it leave it with? They reshape a God that's in their own image, what I want, what I desire. The key word here is I. It's all about the pride that's in me. At the center of pride is I. At the center of pride is I. It's all about me. What they begin to do is they find websites, they find teachers, they find pastors who will share their views. And so they congregate together in this tunnel of confusion and begin to listen to what each other is saying. And they don't really evaluate what the word of God says. And so it's all about what I want. It's looking at myself first and others seconds. see, Paul warned Timothy about this. And, and, and he said this in second Timothy chapter three, verse one, he said, you should know this Timothy that in the last days, how many believe that we're living in the last days? He said, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves. They will only love me. They will only love I, what I want, what I desire, everything about me. They will love their self and their money. They will be boastful. They will be proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that who are only in it for themselves. What can God do for me? What can God do for my family? Oh, I want, I need, I have to have this. You know, there was a video several years ago that kind of described this and it said, me church. It was called Me Church, and it was like this church, uh, you know, kind of illustration of this church where, where uh, they were advertising, uh, you know, uh, for, for a local congregation. And the tagline was Me Church, where it's all about you, what you want, what you desire. No, you know what? Christianity is not about pride. It's not about us. It's not about what we want to do. It's walking in humility. It's not about reshaping the cross into our views and our desires. We've made, uh, we've made ourself, you know, into the image of me when it needs to be in the image of God. We want to justify our sin at the same time, reject the power that can make us all that God wants us to be. So James gives us great wisdom. He says in James chapter four, verse six, he says, and he gives grace generously. Some of you think, man, okay, I've done this. I've messed up. Let me just tell you this morning, our God gives grace generously. He's a generous God. He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, though, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, resist the pride. Resist it, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, he said, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. What is that? That's humility. And he says, humble yourself before the Lord. And guess what he will do? And he will lift you up in honor. We get it backwards. We want to lift ourselves up in honor. We want to put ourselves as the center of attention. We want to have ourselves as the center of our world. And what was on my mixtape back in 1985? I can tell you was a song by Brian Duncan that says, "My little world revolves around me." So many times, that's what happens. We get ourselves, my little world, my my world of I, what I want, what I desire. It revolves around me. And everything else should come in alignment with our views. And God says, no, humble yourself before me. Humble yourself before before me. Humble yourself before me and I will lift you up. So it's humility. The second, are you with me? Say amen. amen. Second thing is trust. He says, the second half of verse one, he says, I don't concern myself with matters that are too great or too awesome for me to grasp. When you look at that that term matters too great or too awesome what what that's referring to because we don't we don't really talk in that vernacular, but that's talking about schemes. it's talking about speculative plans of man. This comes from arrogance rather than from humility. They are a sign of rebellion against God rather than submission to him. So what happens is the people that follow, that do concern themselves with matters too great, they trust in their own plan instead of God's plan. David wasn't like that. Oh, sure he was in parts of his life, but as, it, as he gets to this moment in, in the history of himself, he understood that he had to trust in God. When, when David, think about this, when he was being run out of town by his own son, Absalom wanted him. He wanted him gone. He wanted him killed. He rebelled against his father, took over the throne for himself. There was a man, and his name was Shimei. Shimei was standing up on the side of the road as David and all of his people are passing by, and he's calling down curses on David. He's cursing David. And Abishai, who was loyal to David, I mean, he had enough. I mean, he wanted to take matters into his own hands. He was ready to, he was actually ready to kill Shimei. And in 2 Samuel, verse 16, verse 11, then David said to Abisha and all his servants, he says, my own son is trying to kill me. He said, let's put this in perspective. My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So they keep walking. Shimei is throwing rocks. He's cursing him, and they they just keep walking. And they move on. Fast forward a few chapters later. Shimei is begging David for forgiveness. He's begging for mercy. He's admitting that he was wrong. And David trusted God to fight his battle instead of fighting his battle himself. David trusted God, not just with the fight that was at hand, but he trusted God with the throne. I mean, think about this. He had heard, he had had the prophecy spoken over that somebody from your your lineage will always sit on the throne and and there will be, and he had that in his mind. And, And still he said, listen, I understand that this is not mine to control. This is God's. And so I'm going to trust him with the throne. I'm going to trust him with with a plan for my life. I'm going to hand it to him. And listen, church family, I want you to understand something. We have to hold our own self loosely. We try to control. We try to keep our hands on the driver's wheel. And God is saying, just release it and, and sit back and watch me do some amazing things in your life. If you will just be obedient and trust me. If you'll trust me. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's probably a, one of those life verses that we have for, for ourselves and our family. Sasha, this was her verse when we got married that, that, that she just really gravitated towards. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God will guide you, but you got to trust him. So, we, So aspect of growth, number one, humility, two, is trust. Number three is maturity. If you look at verse two, he says, Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So what this is dealing with is spiritual maturity. We're not the same. You know, uh, there's toddlers, there's, you know, they're babies and then they become toddlers and then, you know, then they go to elementary school. You know, some of the, 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 this week, you know, past week we've had kids who've gone from preschool K that, to, that moved on to, to kindergarten. We got some that are going from, from elementary school into middle school and, and then some that moved from middle school to high school and the high school to college. And then I've been watching a lot of my friends this week uh, that have been moving their kids to college for the first time. And I'm remembering what that was like two years ago and my heart's breaking for them. And then Kenzie's reminding me that, dad, that's coming in two years again. And my heart's breaking just a little bit again. You on that. And then, you know, move Maddie into her apartment this week. There's stages of life. And then I'm starting to sense that, Hey, pretty soon they, they may start paying their own bills. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. Glory. I can tell hmm, <laughs> Yeah, it'll be great. I might can afford, I might can afford the lays instead of the great value. Come on somebody. Uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. Oh man. Uh, I digress. But there's, there's a stages of life and he's referring to the weaning, the, the moving away into where, you know, you're dependent upon your mom for food to to now being able to, you know, you think about it, this is not something that we really do in, in, in most people in, in modern day America, but it, they would be three to four years old in the he- Hebrew culture before they were ever weaned. And, and so, you know, this is a, a stage of moving or growing up in that in that time. So this is referring to spiritual maturity. Paul describes it to the Corinthian church like this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, when I was chi- I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Came a point in my life where I put away my Star Wars action figures and my G.I. Joes. I put them up. I no longer played with them. There came a point in life Where, you know, I wasn't able to play basketball with the teenagers as much anymore. You know, the the body just didn't hold up to that. There's growth. There's things that take place. We grow. We mature. Paul elaborates in Ephesians 4. It's right after the verse where he says he gave pastors to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And in verse 13 of that, he says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of who? Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Oh man, that's happening so much in our society nowadays. And in verse 15, he said, instead, we were going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So the goal then is growth. The goal then is to be mature. Listen, there's some people and in, in, in th- that have been Christians for 35 years but still act like they're toddlers. They quit growing. They quit growing. They had uh, they had explosive growth in the very beginning. They they consumed the word of God. They, they began to do everything that was like that. They prayed. They came to prayer meetings. They were involved in the community groups. They did everything. And then they kind of got weary and well-doing. And so they kind of just stagnated. They stopped their growth. Like we have with our musical taste. They're still they're still in the same Place And God is like saying, listen, I have 32 years of growth that you could have had access to, but you stagnated. You stopped. You quit growing. And God is saying to us this morning, church, take the next step. Take the next step in your personal growth with God. There's so much more of God for you. You have not achieved it all. Listen, I haven't achieved everything that God wants for me. There's still growth that there's wanting to do inside of me. He's still working on me. I mean, he ain't finished with me yet. I'm telling you somebody God wants to do something in your life but you have put the lid on your growth when God is saying rip that thing off and allow me to do something amazing in store for you. So we got to mature. We got to wean ourselves from some of the things in the past in order to get what God has in store for us today. Wiersbe wrote it like this. He said God sometimes has to wean us away from good things in order to give us better things. Ooh, think about that. He said Abraham had to leave his family and city, send Ishmael away, separate from Lot, and put Isaac on the altar. Those were painful weanings. Joseph had to be separated from his father and his brothers in order to see his dream come true. Both Jacob and Peter had to be weaned from their own self-sufficiency and learn that faith means living without scheming. The child that David described wept and fretted, but eventually calmed down and accepted the inevitable. The word describes the calming of the sea or the father's leveling of the ground after plowing. Instead of emotional highs and lows, the child developed a steady uniform response is indicating a giant step forward in the quest for maturity. Successful living means moving from dependence to independence and then to interdependence always in the will of God. To accept God's will and the losses and gains of life is to experience that inner calm that is so necessary if we are to be mature people. So there's growth. There's growth. Think about it. If you're not growing in your relationship with God, then you need to ask why. If I'm not growing in my relationship with God, I need to ask why. Because God wants us to be in a process of continually growing closer and being more and more like Jesus. The fourth thing I want you to see this morning is the word committed. Look at this. In verse 3, he kind of changes the tone of this. He now is, is talking to Israel. He says, Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. David takes his experience. He takes his, I I haven't been proud. I haven't followed the schemes of men. I haven't, I I have, I've, uh, like a child who's been weaned from his mother. He takes that whole experience uh, and the examples of humility, the examples of of growth and and maturity. And, And he says, I now want you to follow in this same footstep. I want you to become mature. I want you to become, I want you to hope in the Lord, if you will. And I want you to notice the last part of the verse. He says, Now and always. Now and always. If you were to leave church today, go out to the restaurant, eat, or go home and eat the roast that your your mom or your wife made for you, or your husband uh, cooked something out on the grill, whatever. And then you would to take a little nap and then later in the afternoon you said, you know what, I need to, I need to get in shape. So I'm going to go down to the gym and you went down to the gym that you've been paying for but haven't been utilizing. Come on, somebody. And you went down to the gym and you worked out. If you go today and you do that, that's an experience. You've had an experience. If you get up tomorrow morning and said, man, I know I'm a little sore, but I gotta go work that soreness out. So I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna hit the treadmill. I'm gonna hit the elliptical. I'm gonna do the spin bike. I'm gonna hit the weights. I'm gonna do something like that. I'm gonna gonna do some kind of exercise. And you did it the next day. And then you got up and did it the day after that. And then you kept going. And maybe you went five out of seven days every week for the, the rest of the year. That's no longer an experience. That's a commitment. You're committed to that. That's now and always. That's following through. David wanted those that were singing this song to fully put their hope in the Lord. not just a one-time experience at an altar. Not just I'm raising my hand for salvation or rededication, but he wanted this to be a daily thing, that you come to God every day, that you worship God every day, that you live for God every day, that you walk in humility every day, that you grow with him every day, that you are, are trusting in him every day, that this is a now and always, today and forever, always commitment. Paul talked about the hope we have, and he talked about this, and he says, I'm pressing on toward the goal. He said this in verse 12 of Philippians 3. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Now, he's recognizing. And he's saying the same thing David says. Look, I haven't, I, 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 don't, I don't have any, I, I'm humble in my heart. I, I don't have, I, my eyes aren't haughty. And, I, and, and he's saying, I, I haven't reached perfection. I understand I'm not a perfect person. He said, but listen, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, he says, I have not achieved this, but I focus on this thing, forgetting the past, forgetting the past. Now, you know what we do a lot of times? We, we talk about forgetting the past, our, our past failures, our past mistakes. Listen, some of us need to forget our past success. Because we're still living in the the, the glory of yesteryear when God wants to do something, a new thing in your life today. We're still living back here in the revival of 1995 in the Brownsville revival, and God's got something new in store for 2023 that may look different than it did back in 1995. Some of us are still looking for the way that he did it in the Jesus revolution of the 70s and the charismatic movement of the early 80s. Listen, God's got a new thing, church. We need to quit looking back at the success of the past, and we need to press on to all that he has for us today. He says, listen, forget the past and look. forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. Now listen, the end of the race is what? It's heaven. The finish line is not here on this earth. I've got good news for you today. There's nothing that this earth is the best that some people will ever get. People who are gonna spend eternity in hell, this is the best that it gets right here. Because it's gonna be far more worse than what you see right now. It's going to be far more worse than a hurricane that's Hillary that's hitting the coast of, of California today. It's going to be worse than 111 temperatures that we're going to have probably in, in this afternoon. And come on, somebody, can you see that the 90s are coming back at the end of like maybe this next week? Come on, somebody, that's, that's great. But can you imagine turning that temperature up to 200, 300, 500, 600? That's what hell's going to be like for eternity. This is as good as it gets. But I've got good news for us that are got the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the worst that it gets. It's never going to be bad in heaven. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. There's 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 only joy in the Lord. We get to spend eternity with Him. This is the worst that it gets on this earth. So let's look to the finish line. Let's look to the finish line. Let's press on to reach the end of the race and receive, as he says in verse 14, the heavenly prize for which Christ, God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. He's saying, listen, don't go back. Don't live in your past. Don't live stuck in your past, but begin to pursue all that God has for us. See, God wants us to continue to grow. He wants us to walk in humility. He wants us to trust his will. He wants us to trust his plan. He wants us to mature in our faith. He wants us to keep pressing on in commitment and to not give up. Listen, giving up would be easy. But the mark of a growing follower of Jesus Christ is to press on, to stay committed even when we don't want to even when we don't understand, to walk in humility, to get away from being what I want, what I desire, making a God in our image instead of being an an image of God on this earth. It's maturity in our faith. Father, I thank you today for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, we thank you that You've called us not to be stagnant Christians, but to grow in our faith, to move beyond where we're at today. Lord, I ask today that you would just bless your church, that you would, God help us point out the things where we need to grow, where we need to mature, where we need to walk in faith, walk in humility. Fully trust you with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never taken the first step of growth in a relationship with God, which is to give your heart to Jesus. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned. Romans three twenty three all all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us. Second part of that in Romans six twenty three says the wages the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's the prize. That's the heavenly prize we're waiting for. John three sixteen. God loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This morning, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna count to three here in a moment, and I'm gonna ask a question today. If you're watching online. We've got a response for you as well. But it, when I say three today, if you're ready, make a commitment to Jesus. Or maybe you've been away from God. And you want to just rededicate yourself to Him today. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. We're going to pray a prayer of faith together today. If you're online this morning, I'm, I'm going to challenge you today. If you've, you need to make a commitment to God, would you just send us an email at prayertohopefamily.tv, or maybe? You wanna just be bold and put it in the comment section today and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior or rededicate my life to the Lord today. When I say three this morning, if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. We're all gonna pray a prayer of faith together. We're gonna believe God together. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand today so I know who I'm praying for today. One, two, three. Anybody in this room? Yes. Anybody else in this room today? That is me. Yes, anybody else? I'm ready to rededicate myself to God. Come on, church, would you stand right now and let's all pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. I thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. I dedicate my life to you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, come on, would you give God praise for these two that raised their hand today? Our kids are gonna come in here in a moment. Pastor Ben, if you could make sure that they're moving this direction. I I wanna challenge you today. We've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting and we had an amazing prayer meeting Wednesday night. We, we, we gathered around, we called on the Lord, we worshiped together. Now there wasn't many of us. We didn't have a room full of people like it, that they're here tonight, but there was a good strong remnant. And what I've been saying in our prayer times, even on Sunday morning at nine o'clock, I'd love for you to come and join us for one of those or join us this Wednesday at seven, is that I want God to do something and I want him to start with me. Start with the ones you know the ones that are calling on God. And I know some of you work and you're not you you're, you're praying separate times. But well, would you make that a part of your prayer? God, start with me. And I encourage you: be here Wednesday night if you can. It, it is powerful when we when God's people get together and they pray. And we go from seven, we go we go to seven to eight. In the in the next few weeks, we'll begin to. Tell you and share about what's coming up as far as growth classes and community group and that kind of thing as we move forward into the fall. And I, I want to challenge you to get involved in that. As we grow, Wednesday nights is a time for growth. It's a time for for community. It's a time where we where we really we really dive down deep a little bit in some things that that we can't do on a Sunday morning. I want to challenge you. Listen. Make your faith a priority, make faith in Jesus a priority. If you've not picked up one of our 21 Days of Devotion books, you can you can get a digital copy at ConnectedHope.com or there's a few copies uh, left back there. And, and you say, Pastor, well, we're already 21, you know, we're, 15, on, day, we're on day 15 today, I believe. And so we're, we're already day 15. And so we only have a week left. Well, do this week. That would be a great place to start and you say, Pastor, I wanna learn how to read the Bible, then, then here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Join our, join our group and just start where we're at. We have a one-year Bible. You say, man, that I, I just don't know if I can do that much time. We'll start with the New Testament and the Psalms and the Proverbs. If you just start somewhere, then God can take that and, and cause you to continue to grow. For those of us that are a little bit older, the question this week needs to be God. And more, I say older in our faith, question this week is, God, what do you want to do in me? God, show me, show me where I need to grow. And it may be painful. You may have to wean some good things to get to the better things that God has in store for you. Amen. I want to challenge you with that. You know, we're a church that believes in investing in the next generation. And I love our students. I love our kids. And God is doing some awesome things in their lives. But they're going back to school this next week. And and some of them have already gone back. Some of our uh, schools in the county areas and outlying areas, they've already gone back to school. Uh, Silver Springs ISD goes back on, on Tuesday of this week. And, uh, and so... I, I, I want us to pray this morning for our kids and our educators and our support staff. anybody that works in education. So I'm, I'm going to ask our kids to come up this morning and our, our students, our, 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 our elementary age, our, our students. Come on, begin to move. And, our, and all of our educators, would you guys begin to move today? I will call you out if, if you don't come because I know who I know who you are today. We, and we've got a bunch. We got a bunch. We got a good, good crew up, up here that, that are coming. Oh man, we got a great crew up here. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to try to get everybody's right here. Y'all um, spread up here. So turn around so everybody can see it this morning. It'll be all right. Chris, over here to my left, he works in transportation. He keeps our kids safe on the bus, amen? And uh, and so we're grateful for him. Um, We got David and Chastity Abair. Dave uh, Chastity works at Bowie Elementary School teaching first grade this year. David is gonna split time between the middle school and high school. He works in athletics, uh, shaping young men. He's actually gonna work do football at the, at the uh, middle school, and then he's going to be uh, working on, for the basketball and sta- on the basketball staff, an assistant coach uh, for Sulphur Springs High School, varsity basketball. Come on, man, we're excited about that for him. Back, I'm going to go with the educators. I'm not going to t- tell all the kids, but I'll point out s- what schools we have. Uh, We've got Jeremiah and Audrey. Jeremiah uh, is the band director at Cooper ISD. And uh, Audrey teaches uh, home. I, they called it home ec when I was there. What's it called now? Fi- family consumer science. They don't call it future homemakers of America anymore. It's called what? F- family consumer sciences. Okay. So, anyway, she teaches them all about those kinds of things and a fantastic cook uh, as well. Uh, let's see. I thought you were a student there for a second, Summer. <laughs> sorry you, yeah yeah you, you'll take it for sure summer also teaches at buoy and your second first grade so she's teaching uh chassis and summer are in the in, in the same in, in the same grade level okay um let's see i'm gonna go on the far wake and work my way uh, pastor ben teaches freshman english and is also a coach. He's uh, does co- cross country and some other things there, uh, but he's doing co- cross country right now. Haley next to him is uh, works in special services uh, for the school for the school district. She's a, a secretary there. Uh, Anne Marie Roland, they're, uh, they're fairly new here to Hope. She works at Como Como Picton. Also. In, in special education, right? And then uh, Sasha, who, who's right here, right here, that's my wife, wave your hand so people can see it. Sasha, it, I'm super proud of her, she's a principal at our, our Rowena Johnson uh, Primary, and so we're super excited. And not to forget, Tisha back here on the keys is the new music teacher at Rowena Johnson Primary. So uh, there, and then we have Haley, who's right here, and she is teaching third grade. Woo, it's hard for me to keep all this in memory. You guys understand there. And then Caleb, where are you at? He's just supporting his wife. Man, what a good... Well, well, I say that. They're getting married here in just a few weeks, and I'm excited for them. Haley uh, teaches third grade. She was at SSES prior to coming over. And so, man, what what a great man. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for the educators that we have? Am I missing anybody that's connected? Am I missing anybody that's connected to our? our, Tonette Ramsey teaches, uh, she's not here today. Tonette, she teaches, uh, fifth grade, right? At SSES. So We want to remember Tonette as well. So we've got a great group of educators here at Hope. And then look, we got homeschoolers up here. we got kids that go to SSISD up here. we got kids that go to Cooper, uh, Prairie Land, I was gonna say Paris, but I knew that wasn't right. Prairie Land ISD, so we got kids that are connected to Cumbie as well uh, here at Hope. And so we've got a great group of, of kids, students, we've got a great group of educators that we're, we're proud of and, and support staff as well. So, would you guys this morning, can you just maybe your kids or your grandkids or, or or a friend is up here today, would you just come over here and, and uh, some of you just walk down this aisle, reach over and begin to pray with them today as we pray. Father, we just thank you that you are are moving in hearts and lives. God, I thank you for every kid. I thank you for every worker. God, I ask, Lord, today that you would give them a great school year. God, I help. I pray that they would make you famous this year, that they would make Jesus famous. God, that they would live for Jesus every day. God, on the high school campus, on the elementary school, in the middle school, in the Primary school campuses in Cooper and Prairie Land and, and Cumbie and, and, and Como Picton and, and, and Lord and Sulphur Springs and home schools and, and all across, Lord, that there would be growth, God, spiritually, God, as well as a, uh, academically. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just do a work inside of us. Lord, we thank you that the educators in this room, God, that they can be a light to their co workers and a light to their students and, and those that serve in, in a, a capacity where they where they just are blessing and coming alongside of those that are actually teaching or administrating God. I, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them a, 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 a special anointing for their task. And Lord, for our kids, I pray, God, that they would grow in wisdom. Lord, just like Luke says in Luke 2.52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and with all people. I pray for every student here that they would grow in wisdom, that they would grow in stature, that they would go in favor with you, God, in favor with all people. In Jesus' name. And God, we pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Come on, would you give him praise today? You guys can go sit down. Thank you. Thank you so much. Man, I'm so proud of these guys. I'm just so proud of all of our educators, man. They they do an amazing work. Listen, I want to remind you, that next, uh, in two weeks, I want you to put this on your calendar. We've never done this. I don't think any time in the history here, but I thought, Hey, I want us to just go hang out together and, and Labor Day weekend. Some of you will be gone and and traveling there. But for those of us that are here, I want to, I want you to mark down, budget, after service that day, we're all, we're all going to just go invade soul mans, go through the line, you, you'll get yours, it's, uh, it's Dutch, so you pay for your own, and uh, we'll go through the line, and then we'll just all sit around tables and talk, and, 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 and t- kind of take over the place a little bit that day, uh, and, uh, and and just enjoy each other's company uh, there, so that's coming up here in a couple of weeks, and then uh, Wednesday night, again, 7 o'clock, we're going to have our, our prayer time. Uh, together up here, encourage you to be a part of that. It's gonna be good. Uh, it's been good the last two weeks. And so uh, anyway, I, I'm gonna pray over you today as, as we're dismissed, uh, but be, be sure not to just pray over the students today and the educators today. I wanted you to see their names. I wanted you to hear that because the Lord is gonna remind you in your prayer time to pray over these. They're doing a, amazing work. This is This is a tough time. This is a tough time for them as they're going back to school. Some of them are moving into new school things, and uh, you know they got Jeremiah. Man, they, these guys and Audrey both because he I didn't say this part of the job. She does the flag routine, right? She she does this. They're getting ready for contest. Last year I got to go and see what God uh, what God's doing through them. Right there, man, they did their uh, contest over in Mount Pleasant, and I got to go uh, watch it, and it was fantastic. Uh, what what the, the talent ability and, and, and just seeing that come together. And as a, as a guy who, who was abandoned a little bit in my high school days, I, I, I thought that was, uh, I just enjoy watching that. And so it's uh, pretty cool what's happening. Pastor Ben with, uh, with the cross country and, and all these things and David there, all, all a lot of them are getting new positions and new start and so pray for them because God is using them to give hope, to give hope to a new generation. I pray that he that they see something inside of those kids see something inside of them and want to know what it is that's different about them and it causes conversations it causes life change amen amen Father I thank you one more time for all the teachers all the educators all of our students I pray today God for your church we thank you for what you've done this morning we ask that you would bless your church that you would keep them that you would make your face shine down upon them and you'd be gracious to them and that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. God bless you today, church.